0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. Every so often, we have to play catch-up uh, for the show, and we're going to do it again today. We did it—we did it several weeks back, but we about once a month, really, we have to sit down and go through the pile and debulk and talk about articles we haven't had a chance to get to, or we'll just never get to them. I won't uh, be the only voice you hear for the next hour. We expect, uh, as usual, to have a contribution by America's foremost political comic, Will Durst and uh, thanks to a hot tip from Vince we're going to pull something off the internet which i think you will find very amusing you know there's some pretty good spoofs out there we're going to we're going to uh, deal with one today one that we're not going to deal with until we can get uh, the sound bites on is uh, a conference that took place in calgary uh, in up in alberta that's in canada for for those who don't know uh they, they had a conference on petroleum where apparently some spoofers got in and talked about how this new product was going to be able to uh, save the petroleum industry. It was going to be called vivolium. It was going to be made of recycled human beings. Like I say, we'll see if we can't dig up the actual uh, sound bites on that for next week's show. But let us start this program as we like to do with On This Date in History. In this case, this is September 27th. On September 27, 1540, Pope Paul III charters the Society of Jesus, that's the Jesuit Order, which had been founded six years earlier by Ignatius de Loyola, a Spanish soldier turned priest. Over the centuries, the Jesuit Order has proved to be very influential. And no, not just in founding high schools across the nation. On this date in 1869, Wild Bill Hickok, in his first job as a sheriff, stops a bar fight in Hayes City, Kansas. His method, shooting one of the participants in the head, was effective, but was criticized by some for its heavy-handedness. On this date in 1941, the United States launched the first Liberty ship, the SS Patrick Henry in Baltimore, Maryland. Liberty ships were built by the hundreds to carry cargo to the war zones during the Second World War. On this date in 1959, Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev headed home after a two-week visit to the United States that included a summit conference with President Dwight D. Eisenhower. And of course, an episode during a speech at the UN when, to get attention, he took off his shoe and banged the dais. The trip was also notable for the fact that the people at Disneyland, feeling they could not guarantee the Soviet premier's security, denied him access, which (laughs) led to what has been described as a tantrum. On September 27, 1964, the Warren Commission report on the assassination of U.S. President John Kennedy was released. By virtue of bullying witnesses, suppressing evidence, and ignoring red-hot leads extending in multiple directions, the Commission concluded that assassin Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, a finding which over the years an overwhelming majority of Americans have refused to accept. And finally, it was on September 27th in 1935 that American child actress and singer Frances Gum signed a contract with MGM. She would change her name to Judy Garland and later star as Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz.
1: As far as I'm concerned, you'll always be the top Cause you know you made me love
0: you Our quote of the day comes from Aldous Huxley, who once said, To his dog, every man is Napoleon. Hence, the constant popularity of dogs. Our quip of the day comes from Alice Roosevelt Longworth, that's Teddy's daughter, who once said, If you can't say something good about someone, sit here by me. Our statistic of the day comes from the Amex Defense Index, which tracks 14 major defense company stocks, Since last year, the index has risen roughly 47%, outperforming the broader S&P 500 index, which climbed nearly 15% over the same period. This news came in conjunction with the fact that defense stocks yesterday hit new highs, while as Defense Secretary Robert Gates requested an extra $42 billion in funding from Congress to cover military costs in Iraq and Afghanistan in 2008. And as far as correspondence goes, we have the following report from retired person. In writing to tell us how he makes his days interesting, he said, I went to downtown Sacramento into a shop last week. Although I was only there for about five minutes, I came out and there was a cop writing out a parking ticket. I asked him, come on, how about giving a retired person a break? He ignored me and continued writing the ticket. I called him a Nazi. He glared at me and wrote another ticket for having worn tires. So I called him a donut-eating Gestapo. He wrote a third ticket. This went on for about 20 minutes. The more I abused him, the more tickets he wrote. Now, personally, I didn't care. I'd come to downtown on the light rail, but the car he was putting ticket on had a bumper sticker that said W04. So I was pretty happy how the afternoon turned out. And actually, that, of course, was our joke of the day. We did, however, get a real email from Stephen often listens on the web in Minnesota. He noted unfortunately that someone had been beaten in his neighborhood and died from their injuries and died from his injuries. He later saw a sign for 50 more cops. Stephen wondered how many uh, more cops could be purchased for the price of one day of the Iraq war. Well, based on the fact that here in Sacramento they're trying to tax everyone that sells liquor $1,000 to raise a million dollars, which they claim will put five more cops on the street, if we figure that it costs 200000 to put one more cop on the street, then indeed one day of the Iraq War would put 50 more officers out on American streets for a year. And although we do try and speak uh, using the King's English on, on this program... Mistakes inevitably creep in. So we want to also thank uh, Stephen for the following. This is evidently an old British proverb. The words lie and lay have produced slips of the pen by the most excellent of men. It's okay to lay down yesterday, but if you do it today, you're a hen. We like it, but I'm still going to probably mix them up in the future because I don't care. At least not so much about that one, but we do. Thanks, Stephen, for that. But in the meantime, I think we'll continue our war on irregardless and February. And although Mr. McMillan here has occasionally advocated for the fact that February is a word, I say it's got two R's and they're both pronounced. And I say that irregardless of whatever he may say. This might be a good time to hear from our good friend Will Durst.
1: Well, thanks, Doug. And today I'm here to tell Lindsay Lohan that she's old news. Brittany, sit your fat ass down, baby. I'm sorry, Hollywood miscreants, but your petty, self-destructive shenanigans paled before the slice of big, fat, stinky cheese that just dropped onto our celebrity plate. Due to the fact that we have the attention span of high-speed lint, you can hereby consider yourself drawn. Like last year's line of Marc Jacobs' Forest Green Slingback Pumps, we have moved on to a bigger and better bright, shiny object. And a familiar one. So please, pack your press releases and enjoy the daytime Emmys. Ah, sure, we may have compromised any last shred of integrity still clinging to us by static electricity by taking up with this old flame, encumbered with more bad habits than a condemned nunnery. But this time around, we got no one to blame but ourselves. It is so wrong. It's thrilling. That's right, everybody. America's favorite wife killer, Orenthal James Simpson, is back. And the tabloids are happier than Woody Harrelson during harvest season in Humboldt County. O.J. get busted in Vegas on ten various felony charges, including armed robbery, to steal back what he calls his own stuff. But he remains steadfast and is determined to find the real robber. And we all know what's next. Some fancy lawyer will slice through the Las Vegas DA's case with a clever rhyme like, If it's his sh you must acquit. Then, of course, OJ will write a book called If I Stole It. And we will lap it all up like a spilled carton of milk off the cat lady's kitchen floor. Why? Just so we don't have to pay attention to the Phil Spector case anymore, because, face it, his hair is creepy. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst.
0: Let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. This week was evidently a good week for transitioning to a free market economy, at least in Budapest, Hungary, when officials there announced that sex workers will now be allowed to apply for an entrepreneur's permit. It's hoped that this move could generate uh, government revenues from an industry that's worth about $1 billion annually. Hungary has evidently been criticized by human rights groups for legalizing prostitution, which has been fully allowed under certain conditions since 1999. Under the new system, these permits will allow prostitutes to give receipts To customers and become part of the legal economy by paying taxes and making social security contributions. Personally, we sort of doubt that customers are going to be eager to obtain receipts for services rendered. And it was a bad week a few weeks back for American dentistry when a government report revealed that preschool kids as young as two are getting cavities at a record rate due to diets high in soda, juices, and sugary snacks. According to the report, for the first time in 40 years, the oral health of young children is on a downswing. The problem is being caused by some of the same things that have caused the obesity pandemic. More sugary snacks and beverages and less milk and water. Dentist Bruce Dye told USA Today there's a misconception that baby teeth are disposable, that it's not important for little kids to brush carefully. But he said baby teeth are just as important as adult teeth. Tooth rot can carry over from baby teeth to adult teeth, and the premature loss of baby teeth are more likely to create crowding problems. And this week was surely an ugly week for Viacom, Inc., after Dan Rather filed a $70 million lawsuit against CBS, alleging the network made him a scapegoat for a discredited story about President Bush's National Guard service. Rather's complaint alleges that CBS intentionally mishandled the aftermath of the story. If you'll recall, in September of 2004, Dan Rather narrated a report that claimed that Bush skirted some of his duties during his National Guard service. Duh! And that a commander there felt pressured to sugarcoat Bush's record. Rather maintains the story was true. And it surely is. But an independent review for the network determined the story was neither fair nor accurate. Now, apparently, on Dan Rather's report, they had some actual documents that physically were found to be counterfeit. But that, of course, is only half the story. People that were there in the offices of the Alabama National Guard said that that such documents did exist and that such preferential treatment did take place. It's just the documents in question were phony. And an item we're not sure is good, bad, or ugly or all three. It's now emerging that John Travolta seems to be a front-runner for the Best Actor Oscar for his portrayal of Edna Turnblad in Hairspray. We have to ask, are there not in America any heavy-set females that could have portrayed that role on film? Are there no female singers that could have actually, uh, you know, played themselves? On screen, we will continue to follow this story, horrified, up till Oscar time. All right, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. We have a couple of items from the Only in America file. We would cite an editorial in the Sacramento News and Review a few weeks back from Johnny Flores, described as local artist and designer. Referring to Sacramento's uh, monthly uh, Second Saturday, where, where art galleries across town have open houses, Johnny noted, it gets frustrating when people from the suburbs arrive at the galleries and boutiques looking to eat and drink for free with no intention of buying art or even entertaining the idea of making a purchase. This correspondent knows from direct experience that this, this is an art form down in the Los Angeles area. We know some uh, prominent freeloaders who freed themselves really every night by using this method and uh, we're going to go undercover in the future to bring you this sordid tale. But, uh, Johnny Flores, we agree with you. This is lame. All right, also from the the Only in America file, we have the following homeland security matter. We've been sitting on this one since August 3rd. I think I'll just quote from ABC News. A man in a Revolutionary War-era submarine was cited by the U.S. Coast Guard for drifting into a security zone and for unsafe sailing in New York's East River near the Queen Mary II luxury liner. That was according to both the Coast Guard and the New York City Police Department. The man in the replica vessel was identified as 35-year-old Philip Duke Riley of Brooklyn. And authorities said it was the second time Riley had floated the vessel in the vicinity of the cruise ship. The submarine, which reportedly did not have any mechanical propulsive system, was being towed by two other men in a rowboat. Now, to reassure the public that this 1775-era wooden submersible was not actually a terrorist threat, NYPD Commissioner Raymond Kelly announced in an afternoon press release that a makeshift submarine discovered at about 10.30 this morning by an NYPD intelligence detective on board the Queen Mary 2 in New York Harbor is the creative craft of three adventuresome individuals. It does not pose any terrorist threat. According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, the vessel in question, the turtle, was invented in Connecticut by David Bushnell and is believed to be the first combat submarine designed to plant explosives on the sides of ships. For his part, uh, the recreator of this, Duke Riley, describes himself as an artist and patriot who, quote, combines populist myth and reinvented historical obscurities with contemporary social dilemmas. Well, as far as we're concerned, the whole thing sounds... I think we're going to go to break a little bit early on today's program, Uh, but uh, before we do, I would like to cite uh, the comedic efforts of Radar magazine. They have a feature titled The Radar 100, which we cited a few weeks back. In the current issue of Radar, uh, The Radar 100 is titled This is Awkward, noting, you only get one chance to make a first impression. We recommend you avoid the following icebreakers. Not to brag, but I live on one of the largest houseboats on Lake Minnetonka. Yeah, that, that may not be the icebreaker of choice. Here's another one you definitely don't want to start out with. You know, the Muppets are bullcrap, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, it's true. You only, get, uh, you only get one chance to make that first impression. You probably wanna, don't want to start out with a line, I don't really see why we need art. Another one you definitely don't want to consider starting with is, they can quarantine me all they want. I ain't wearing no face mask. All right, let's see. There's quite a a few of these uh, really bad opening lines. How about, uh, what's your take on the so-called Holocaust? Almost as bad? You know, I think it's so cool that you're black. All right, final recommendation of lines you definitely don't want to use as icebreakers. How about... Gather round if you love limericks. Anyway, Radar Magazine, they're doing some funny stuff over there. Let's take a short break and come back and talk about some current events. I'm Douglas Everett, you're listening to Radio Parallax.